So I'm going to talk about uh, the psychology of effective altruism and specifically on why people don't donate effectively. And before I start, I should point out that this is joint work that I'm pursuing together with my colleague uh, Lucius Caviola, who is a PhD student at Oxford University. And it's done under the leadership of Nadira Faber, who is the head of the Social Behavior and Ethics Lab, which both me and Lucius work at. So let's start with presenting the puzzle of ineffective giving. So the puzzle of ineffective giving is that people donate large sums to charity. So this is evidence that they actually want to help others. Yet a large proportion of donations are very ineffective, at least if effective altruists are right. So this seems to defeat the very purpose of giving. They, they, the donations aren't actually helping others, at least not nearly as much as they could. So this is a puzzle. So, and this gives rise to my first question, which is, why don't people donate effectively? And then following from that is my second question, comes my second question, which is, how can we make people donate more effectively? Uh, but I'll first focus on the why question. And then there are two main explanations. And the, the first is that people don't donate effectively because they actually don't really want to. They, they don't want to donate effectively. Instead, they have some other goal with their giving, uh, such as trying to obtain some positive emotion or improve their reputation or something like this. Whereas the other kind of explanation, it says that People want to donate effectively, but they don't know how to do it because they suffer from false beliefs or cognitive biases um, or something like that. So that's the belief-based explanations. So on, on the one hand, we have the preference-based explanations, and on the other hand, we have the belief-based explanations. So in this talk, I will provide some evidence for both of these kind of different explanations. And in particular, I'll present some research of our own, which pertains primarily to the belief-based explanations. But I'll start by focusing on the preference-based explanations and delve a little bit more deeply into them. And uh, so there are two kinds of preference-based explanations on our conceptualization. So the first has to do with warm glow. It says that when people are donating, they're optimizing for warm glow rather than effectiveness. And warm glow is a positive emotion that they obtain, for instance, from showing empathy or generosity. And in particular, they obtain uh, warm glow from sort of giving spontaneously and a bit like capriciously. And this is obviously not something that is very conducive to effectiveness. So therefore, warm glow giving often tends not to be very effective. And another preference-based explanation has to do with the reputation or signaling, that people signal certain traits in order to improve their reputation. And they do this because when we donate, other people, third parties, they're sort of observing us and they're judging us. They're judging our, our character traits. And if it's the case that we, for instance, display empathy, spontaneous empathy, then we people tend to think that, well, this is a good person. So they reward that, whereas they may not uh, reward effective donations to, to the same extent. I should also clarify that warm glow giving, that explanation, and the reputation or signaling explanation, they aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. So when people are engaging in signaling behavior, they may very well 
uh, at the same time obtain a warm glow. So let's briefly cover some evidence. So evidence of warm glow giving. So there is one paper which was recently published in Psychological Science, which is prestigious uh, psychology journal, um, where it was shown that people donate to pet projects, the projects that they feel strongly about, even when told that other charities or other projects are, are more effective. So specifically in this case, they were told that arthritis research is more effective than cancer research, and still the majority choose to donate to cancer research. Um, and then on the uh, signaling or reputation-based giving, um, it has been shown by, the, by a number of uh, uh, effective altruist-aligned researchers that deliberate donors are seen as having a worse moral character than donors who give sort of spontaneously and empathetically. And no wonder then that people don't donate deliberately, but rather donate spontaneously. So the next question then is, uh, if the problem is people's preferences, what can we do to improve their giving and make it more effective? Uh, well, one thing that we can do is to try to change the norms and culture of giving. And specifically, we may try to improve the third party's judgment so that they don't reward um, ineffective giving, but rather reward effective giving. And here, there are two strategies. One is to try to sort of improve everyone's judgments, so sort of get everyone on board with effective giving and get everyone to reward other people donating effectively. Maybe that's not super tractable because many people seem to not to have really a disposition in favor of effective giving. So another approach might be to sort of selectively pick those people who already have views which are sort of conducive to effective giving and sort of bring them together and, and form an effectiveness-minded culture where everyone is rewarding everyone else for donating effectively. And to some extent, that seems to be exactly what the effective altruist community is doing. So sort of we're rewarding each other for donating effectively rather than sort of spontaneously and capriciously. But let's move on to the belief-based explanations. They also come in different forms. So one has to do with cognitive biases. So there are many biases which affect the effectiveness of giving. So one very well-known bias is scope neglect, which is that people tend often to be insensitive to the size of the opportunity to help. Uh, so in some uh, well-known studies, uh, one group of people were asked how much they would donate to help 200 birds, and another group was asked how much they would donate to help 2,000 birds. And here, they, they would donate similar amounts, even though in the, in the second case they could help 10 times more. And this seems to be a fairly pervasive phenomenon, which obviously reduces the effectiveness of, of your donations. And then another um, kind of bias has to do with people often focusing on overhead or administration costs rather than effectiveness when they evaluate different charities. So this is so, uh, something that my colleague Lucius has published a paper on together with his uh, colleagues. So I'll present that in some detail in a minute. But first I will talk a little bit about another kind of belief-based explanation which hasn't got to do with sort of general cognitive biases but rather has to do with false beliefs and ignorance about specific facts of, of relevance for charity effectiveness. 
And there's, there's much less research on this, so this is going to be somewhat more uh, speculative, inevitably. Uh, but we, we think we have some reason to believe that people have these kinds of false beliefs and, and ignorance. Uh, so some potential false beliefs about charities' effectiveness might be that, for instance, charities don't differ much in terms of effectiveness. So this is something we've actually started studying, so I'll present uh, a study of relevance for this in a minute. Uh, another is that differences in effectiveness are mostly driven by differences regarding overhead or that charity effectiveness can't be measured. So if it's the case that people suffer from these kinds of false beliefs, and it's also the case that this is something that drives ineffective giving, then it seems like we might have sort of a straightforward intervention. We just inform them about the fact that you know these misconceptions are misconceptions in order to dispel them. And that way, we might perhaps uh, improve uh, donation behavior. Uh, so I will talk more about that later in this talk. But now let's move on to our own research. So there's this paper from 2014 by Lucius and his colleagues on overhead aversion. And um, so the issue here is that when donors are evaluating charities, they might use different criteria. So one is the overhead ratio, the percentage of money that goes into administration. And another is cost effectiveness, that is the positive outcome per dollar donated, for instance, the number of lives saved. And of course, effective altruists think that one sh what one should look at is cost effectiveness. But in fact, people often look at overhead. So why is that? Well, one reason might be that in separate evaluation, as psychologists say, when you just present it with an individual option, in this case, an individual charity, separately, it can be very hard to evaluate the effectiveness of a charity if you don't know anything about effectiveness. So, so like, how effective is a charity which, say, like, a hundred lives for a million dollars? You have no way to tell. Whereas, if you're being told that this charity has a 50% overhead ratio, you can immediately grasp that this is a high level of overhead. And for that reason, people often focus on uh, overhead in separate evaluation. Or at least this was Lucius and his colleagues' um, hypothesis. So they ran a study when they had two different um, charities, one charity which had a higher level of overhead and a higher level of effectiveness than the other charity. And then they compared them in two moods, as it were. One was separate, where like one group was presented uh, with charity, only Charity A, the opportunity to donate to Charity A. The other group was only uh, presented with the opportunity to donate to Charity B. And then there was also joint evaluation. So a third group was uh, presented with the opportunity to either donate to Charity A or to Charity B. And then the idea was that in separate evaluation, people would, in line with what I, I said before, they would go for the low overhead uh, charity, sort of on aggregate, that the two groups would, would do so, because that would be easier to evaluate. Whereas in joint evaluation, the, the group that uh, could was presented with a choice of either donating to charity A or charity B, then they would be able to compare both the effectiveness and the overhead, and they would also realize that like effectiveness is what really matters, and therefore they would go for the more effective charity. 
And this hypothesis was actually supported. Uh, so it seems then that people do focus on effectiveness when charities are appropriately comparable. They don't do so when they're just presented with individual charities, but they do so when charities are appropriately comparable. So a policy implication might be that we should sort of increase the comparability of charities. We should present multiple charities at the same time and sort of make it easy to compare their relative cost effectiveness. So let's move on to another study that we're currently running that rather has to do than with the misconception about charity effectiveness. And specifically, it has to do with misconception about the variance of eff effectiveness across different charities. So here we've run two studies so far. Uh, and in the first study, we started what the difference is in terms of effectiveness between the most effective and an average charity. And this is something that Spencer Greenberg already studied in a pilot study. And the result there was that the median ratio was 1.6. This is much lower than what EAs think. So we wanted to replicate this finding and publish it in an academic journal. And then in the second uh, study, we wanted to see whether correcting this misconception increases people's tendency to prioritize effectiveness. Uh, so study one then, participants were asked about the relative effectiveness of the most effective and the average charity. And Spencer's results were uh, uh, replicated. Here the median was 1.5, so very close uh, to what Spencer found, so, so like the, the the most effective charity was said to be on average 1.5, or uh, according to the median person, 1.5 uh, times more effective than the average charity. So, and the next uh, question was then whether this would have an effect uh, on people's donation behavior. So the way we studied this was as follows. So participants were asked about how they would donate $100 and they could split this money between the most effective and an average charity. And then we know since previous studies that uh, when presented with a choice to split, people often do so, even though arguably you shouldn't, you should just donate everything to the most effective charity. But what we thought was that if people were told that the most effective charity is, say, a hundred times more effective than an average charity, then this sort of splitting tendency would be reduced and they would donate almost everything uh, to the most effective charity. So we had five different conditions, and in four of them, they were informed about the relative effectiveness of the most effective and an average charity. So this ranged from 1.05x to 100 times much more effective uh, was the, the most effective charity relative to the average charity. And in the control condition, they were not giving any information about the relative effectiveness. Uh, but this hypothesis was not supported. Uh, actually, telling them that the most effective charity was 100 times more effective than an average charity it didn't have that much of an effect. They continued to donate $30 out of this uh, uh, $100 to the less uh, effective, the average charity, which is was quite surprising to us. That like even though this charity is only 1% as effective as the most effective charity. They still go on uh, to want to donate 30% to the average charity. Uh, and overall, there were quite small differences across these different conditions, so this manipulation didn't have that much of an effect. 
So uh, what's the upshot? Well, people do underestimate the variance in charity's effectiveness. So our hypothesis that they suffer from this misconception that was true, that obviously like this was something that Spencer had already studied. Uh, but informing them about this doesn't uh, make a big difference to their giving behavior. So what might be the explanation? Well, one might be that getting rid of one misconception might not be sufficient because of additional obstacles. So for instance, this splitting preference might be very strong, or there might be some sort of scope and sensitivity factor which has an effect here. Um, so let me sum up. So I had two questions. One was, um, why don't people donate effectively? And then uh, there were two responses to that. One was they don't want to. That was the preference-based explanation. And the second was they want to, but they don't know how. This was the belief-based explanation. And so far, we haven't amassed enough evidence to say which one of these is the more important. So more research uh, is needed. And on the second question, how can we make people donate more effectively? Uh, well, the response to that question will depend on what response to the first question is right. So if the preference-based explanation is right, then we saw that better norms might be one way to go. Whereas if the belief-based explanation is right, then sort of better framings which don't trigger these cognitive biases might be the way to go. For instance, we saw that like increasing the comparability of different charities might help people to avoid cognitive biases. And then we saw another approach might be just to inform people in order to dispel misconceptions and then hope that this will improve their donation behavior. But in the study that we ran, we saw that this didn't have uh, that much of an effect. And we speculated that this might be because there are sort of additional misconceptions which sort of present additional obstacles to effective giving. So in the light of that, in, of there being sort of many uh, misconceptions and it being very difficult perhaps to fix them all, we might think whether there is some kind of hack by which we can sort of circumvent all of these different misconceptions. And one such hack might be to encourage deference to experts. So rather than having sort of people figuring out for themselves all the relevant factor for assessing the relative difference, uh, the relative effectiveness of, of different charities, we just have them uh, deferred to experts. And this is a model which has a great precedent, one might add, namely in science. So in science, like I, for instance, and all of you, I'm sure, uh, are sort of ignorant about many scientific facts in many scientific fields, but you can still sort of act on scientific knowledge uh, appropriately because you defer to scientific experts, to scientists. And perhaps, and this model seems to work very well in science, so perhaps this is the way to go also with respect to charitable giving. Uh, so with that, I end. So if you want to uh, run studies in these fields uh, or have study ideas, please contact us. And we're also looking to diversify our donor base. So if you want to help out with that, please contact us. Thank you very much.